for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Welcome in to the Blitz Podcast. As always, I'm your warm and loving host mr kane schwartz and i'm joined by mitchell mcdonald today how you doing bro doing all right fighting through a little bit of a cold right now but uh gotta imagine i'm feeling a little better than Jaden right now yeah that's very true that's very true let's let's check in our boy how's how's Jaden kozak doing today i mean not good but like <laughs> That game could have 100% ended 45 to nothing. So, I mean, I guess, like, I mean, it's not a win, and we need a win, but. There you go. We can, we can dive into, we can dive into a little bit more of your thoughts when we get into the specifics of the game. Well, I'm, sure we, I'm sure we will. But I want to make a big announcement. We have a big announcement, BlitzPod. We have finally reached 100 followers on Instagram. Yeah, so that means that the people that liked either of the Jersey giveaway posts when we hit 100 followers are automatically eligible for the Jersey giveaway. We will have a winner announced on our live show, which will be the Thursday after Thanksgiving, or not Thanksgiving, Christmas, as it's currently slated, but we will keep you posted on that. But the winner will be announced on our first live show, which will, if if all goes well, will happen on Twitch. And I'm not sure if we've ha- announced that yet, but we're- Well, quite we're, honestly, if we, uh, if we have a live show and it's not on Twitch, we won't be having a live show. This is very true. Unless uh, you guys want to come out to uh, whoever's we'll living just send, room we'll just, doing the podcast. We'll just send all of our followers Zoom invites. <laughs> there you go. That's great. We should do that sometime, man, if, like, if anybody was 137 interested. people in a Zoom because all 137 people will join. Yes, of course. But that's our follower number right now. 137 on Instagram. Finally got to that 100 follower mark, so we'll be giving that jersey away very shortly. But... That's awesome news, and unfortunately, what was not awesome news was the Steelers losing tonight, according to Jaden. This was not good news, so let's dive into it. So, Thursday Night Football, Vikings, Steelers, and the Vikings started out as a pretty serious route of the Steelers, but it was an interesting game towards the end there. Steelers had an opportunity to win it, uh, but the final score, Vikings 36 they finish at or they sit at six and seven now, and the Steelers finish with twenty eight points, and they are now sitting at six six and one, which we were talking about before the podcast. If they manage to go eight eight and one, that is the most average five hundred record you could ever possibly see, unless you were to tie every game that you played. So, initial takeaways from this game, Jaden, take it away, bro. What'd you think? Um. Well, like I said. Uh, before we started, it's really hard to take a whole lot away. But, I mean, the run defense, I've said it for a little bit now. 
it's not what people think. When people think of a Steelers defense, you think of – or a Steelers team, really. You think of the defense is going to carry while Big Ben, you know, does just enough to get us to wins, and that's what it's been. Like, that was the mantra all year, and you can see we have – like, it's it's like we're playing with eight guys. We have four D linemen at four corners. We don't have linebackers. They don't exist. We trade up for Devin Bush two years ago. He's terrible. He – like, if I'm Mike Tomlin, his helmet he, – he doesn't get a helmet. He's like, he's playing terribly. We trade for Joe Scobert. I thought that was like one of the biggest underrated pickups. He's been average at best. He's done absolutely nothing. Um, we're really missing Vince Williams right now because he was not only was he a competent inside linebacker, he also brought a little bit of dog mentality that we just don't have. I know we lost TJ Watt, but that was not the problem. He, we were playing poorly when he was in. And he's an edge rusher who's going for the quarterback every time. So he I mean, he does a good job against the run, but it, he doesn't fix what happened tonight. I said some very, very unkind things about Dalvin Cook and then retweeted it every time he had a big play on my Twitter. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, and I mean so that. And I mean those things. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> because who would have thought, like, 150 yards in the first 20 minutes? You got a few what? likes on that too. <laughs> I know. Maybe maybe this you is the kind of content we on need. That too. <laughs> maybe this is the kind of content we need. That's the only way we're going to blow up. Cyberbullying. Um, We've talked about it on last <laughs> podcast, man. It works, and and it and it, and it happens. So it maybe, did work. Maybe he'll learn. It a did lesson work because you guys do that again when yeah, we play the you guys Steelers, scored zero points the in the first, again in four years. You guys played scored zero points in the first half. Then you started throwing shade on Dalvin. Come all the way back and almost yeah. win it. So yeah. cyberbullying works, but. I will say second half, uh, the Big Ben disrespect. I know that it's really died down the last couple of weeks, but it needs to come to a complete stop. That man is putting together a string of games that is very, very good. Like he's playing better than a lot of guys right now. I don't know how many people saw the replay of that final throw <laughs> to Pat Fryermuth. That was absolutely fucking beautiful. Put it right here. That was a great play by Harrison Smith to punch it out. But where he put that ball was fantastic. I mean, you lead a 28-point comeback. I know it's the Vikings and the Vikings Viking. But we've we've had our fair share of close games, too. We are second most in games decided by one score. Of course, we are 6-1-1, one, and one. well, 6-2-1 and one in those games. But, yeah, don't mean to get on a tangent, but just it's just frustrating because, like, it's the Steelers, man. Play every game close, and I've almost come to, ex- to expect to Where win those games the first three year. quarters, though? <laughs> Hey, man, he's old. I mean, what is that? Three straight games where he did nothing the first three quarters and then he had takes to a be minute. a comeback? He takes, a, he takes a minute to get going. Three. <laughs> it takes a minute to, takes get, a minute going. to get going. I mean, I the can't... Chargers and Vikings ones were almost complete garbage time. Damn, Mitchell just shitting all over you today. And they're ruthless. You're lucky I like Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, bro, ruthless. Fucking hell. You guys are almost – you guys were Super Bowl favorites to start the year, and now you are lucky for a wild card, Mitchell. So, I would Does pipe down. Inconsistent quarterback play. I would pipe where is, down. Where is he every other game? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Where is he yeah. every other game? You guys I mean, are one game back ahead of the yeah, congratulations. He put together two back-to-back games with – And you know what? Most... We have the tiebreaker on just about everybody in the wild card race, and we still have a chance of beating the Chiefs and then taking over the division with an easy schedule left, so I'm not worried. Yeah, but then you guys will – Fair enough. You guys – All right. Enough for the Chargers. Not even hate because you're standing outside of the club and you can't even get in right now. <laughs> oh, that's mean. 
Okay. Well, now that we've had a little bit of uh, Chargers versus, yeah, yeah. Jaden just flashed the Super Bowl ring Great. on the Zoom call. So, um, but let's dive into some of the other initial takeaways from this game. And Jaden, you mentioned it already. Dalvin Cook absolutely ran all over everyone in this game. He explodes in his return to action against Pittsburgh. Um, a little bit of context here. He was expected to miss at least two weeks with a torn labrum. And this was after just this past week and or no, two weeks ago because Madison played against the Lions and Dalvin was almost guaranteed to miss another game. That was pretty much the timeline. But then reports came out today that he was progressing towards playing. And then later on, he was confirmed to play. So that was a bizarre term of events. Um, He ended up putting the same shoulder harness on that Baker Mayfield does uh, for his shoulder. And he absolutely went berserk with it. Um, He went 27 carries, 205 yards and two touchdowns last night or tonight. And Jaden, you mentioned the uh, gosh, excuse me. Um, But Jaden, you mentioned the uh, piss poor Pittsburgh run defense. 27th in the league right now. Oh, yeah. And we're probably, we're probably, I don't think there's any way we don't fall to like last after tonight, especially once everybody plays on Sunday. There's like no way we don't fall to last. Chargers still got that lead though. <laughs> That's true. Like that 20, is very true. By like but 20 yards. Like, and I don't, I don't know if people have seen it. I hey, mean, we've been on, we've been on primetime quite a lot recently. Um, but you ever notice how, if they get stopped, and obviously this sounds obvious, but if they get stopped in the first level, like at the D-line, they're not going anywhere. But as soon as they break that first level, they're going to get a first down. And it's because our linebackers are terrible. And, like, you saw it. I don't know if somebody saw it earlier. Minka Fitzpatrick was like, what the hell are you all doing? Because he doesn't, he doesn't know. Anyone with a mind wonders, why can't you all tackle? I and just, that first half, I, you got the same vibes from Ben looking at his O-lineman. Like, what the fuck are you guys I doing, just saw, man? I just saw a tweet, and it was like, Big Ben says that this is going to be his last year playing for the Steelers, but his O-line says that this is going to be his last year alive. <laughs> That's a true Like That was a miserable performance from the offensive line, at least in the first half. But <laughs> ben, had to, ben had to scramble around in the second half. Yeah, Big Ben <laughs> got a five-yard run, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see that. Um, Next thing I want to address before we move on to our next game here is the immaturity of these Pittsburgh Steelers (laughs) wide receivers. All right. It's just Chase now. Juju's hurt. Yeah, Juju is hurt, luckily. But if he comes back, he's there. He's not coming back. (laughs) Jaden mentioned it. Uh, Chase Claypool tonight had one of the dumbest (laughs) – plays that I have seen in football in a long time so with 42 seconds left on the clock zero timeouts Pittsburgh is around the 40 30 yard line at this point and might have even been closer to the 30 but Claypool goes for a first down on a crossing route across the middle because they were playing deep playing the touchdown and um, he gets the first down and with 42 seconds left on the clock and zero timeouts the man flips a ball out of his hands and does the first down uh, celebration, points his figure forward and does the first down celebration. And then the center runs up to him like, dude, what the hell are you doing, bro? 
And then they get up, frequently rush to the line, and spike it with a whole 24 seconds left. Because of that boneheaded play, you guys lost 20 seconds of possession, which could have easily won the game if you guys had that time instead of not having that time. Well, it's like I told you. It's like I told you before we started. The bigger variable in the final drive was 100% Deontay Johnson getting out of bounds. You play that 10 more times where Chase Claypool doesn't celebrate. For, for some reason, he doesn't celebrate. And you throw that to Deontay Johnson, all 10 times he gets tackled in bounds. There were three guys protecting the sideline. And by some, like, I think it was Barr and Smith ran into each other and Patrick Peterson missed the tackle. Like, that was ridiculous. But I, I it's so hard for me to sit here and vouch for this guy because every week, I know how talented he is. He's so good. And I like, I love the old Big Ben 40 yard underthrow where Chase Claypool, because he's 6'5, is going to draw the DPI every single time. And he did it on the final drive and he caught it because he's really good, but he doesn't have a fucking brain. He does not. He, the thing that made me most like, I was like, what is happening? He, after the, after they spiked it, he's yelling at the, his teammates, bro. He's yelling at big Ben. He's yelling at the offensive line. What could you possibly be yelling about? Like what could have made you so angry in that moment? Like that, the hundred percent of the blame is on you. <clears throat> I just had, don't. He had a, he had a um, personal foul at the beginning of the game for taking his index finger and like smacking him smacking a defender with his index finger 15 yard penalty i mean it's just dumb shit like you know anybody in the nfl you have to know they are cracking down on taunting this year if you don't know but at this point you haven't been playing football you haven't been watching football so and an elimination game basically yeah almost if, if if you keep well with the afc i mean yeah 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 but like i mean definitely a turning point like game. you know we need we need that win but like how how do you not think to do that tj watt did the same shit last week he's standing right in front of a referee and he just flexes right at a guy he's that's i mean they're gonna throw that every time gotta think yeah don't understand uh I, no words man that was just fucking ridiculous that's that's just about it but all right, let's move on from the pain. I know that Jaden doesn't want to relive it for much longer. So <laughs> let's move on to, yeah, let's uh, let's move on to some other content now. Um, and next thing we got on the slate is the week 14 preview. And we've got three headliner games that we're going to throw at you. Um, we've got injury reports, and then we've got the other less significant games that we're going to go through real quick. And we're going to going to give our picks on each of them. So let's dive right into it, shall we? Uh, the first one we have on the docket today is the NFC East matchup, baby. The NFC Beast, two top teams in the NFC East going at each other this week, and that is the Dallas Cowboys, who are sitting at eight and four at the Washington football team. Woo! We're sitting at six and six. This game is in the one o'clock window, so let's dive into the things to watch. And like I said, this comes at a crossroads in the AFC or in the NFC East. Uh, the Cowboys sitting atop the NFC East right now, first eight and four. But these Dallas Cowboys have not been the Dallas Cowboys they were at the beginning of the season. They are two and three in their last five games. They have losses to Denver, Kansas City, and Las Vegas during that time. And their upcoming schedule is, I mean, 
sort of kind of favorable, but you definitely have some tough matchups in there. I mean, you played Washington football team twice. Uh, you've got Arizona and Philadelphia to finish the year. So those are all teams that are potentially in playoff position right now. So definitely not an easy schedule for the Cowboys down the stretch. Uh, on the other side, you have my own truly Washington football team sitting at six and six right now, second in the NFC East. And they are four and one in their last five games, unlike the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, talked about it a lot. They're on a four-dub streak right now. Their only loss in the last five comes at Denver. Um, and their upcoming schedule, they play the Cowboys twice, the Eagles twice, and then they finish the year out at the Giants. So definitely a NFC East-dominated schedule going forward. And like I've said many times, they control their destiny. So definitely a lot to watch here in this game. Uh, next thing I want to dive into there were some interesting comments out of Dallas this week, man. And I want to get your, I want to get your guys' thoughts on them. So Jerry Jones this week, uh, the most talkative owner in the national football league for the past 50 years, he's been an owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he was asked this week uh, about Dak possibly dealing with an injury right now. that The Cowboys weren't revealing because like I said, Dak and the Cowboys have not been playing the same as they were at the beginning of the year. I mean, Dak was MVP candidate for a while, and now he's clearly not one. So when Jerry Jones was asked his question on Wednesday, he had a very interesting response. He said, the thing you're seeing is sometimes the pass looks errant is because the receiver, for instance, ran the route two yards, cut it off two yards shorter. And he finished his quote with basically answering the question. He was like, one of the answers, better routes. So he's basically blaming Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup for Dak Prescott's struggles. And those are very, very – that is probably the most talented wide receiver core in the league outside of maybe like two other teams. So very interesting comments there. And then Mike McCarthy just added insult to injury when today uh, – this podcast will come out Friday. But on Thursday, his first day back from COVID, dude, he comes out and says, we're going to win this game. Not, I think we're going to win this game. I have confidence we're going to win this game. We are going to win this game. I'm confident in that. That, like, is this more signs of a dysfunctional organization? Or do you think of this as just good business here? Jaden, I'll ask you first, man. Well, first of all, how could any blame fall to Michael Gallup? Honestly. Like, that's my, that's my first question. Um. But I, I thought how many funny. receivers do Mitchell, you know Mitchell that it was can still ball out as a third option on a team and already have a thousand yards under their belt? You're literally right after the Michael Gallup. Yeah, a thousand he yards has in his career year. or this year? Mm-hmm. In a year in his career so far, he already has a thousand yards under his belt. He I thought you meant this year. I was about option. to say there's no way. He was not the third option in those years, though. He was number two, though. Whatever. This isn't a Michael Gallup talk. Go ahead with Michael. I didn't make it a Michael Gallup talk. <laughs> don't tempt me with a Michael Gallup talk. But uh, yeah, I don't really see how you blame this on the receivers at all. Uh, I just think that Dak is. I, I totally understand Jerry Jones sticking up for the guy that he just gave one hundred and sixty million dollars over four years. Uh, but you're pissing off three guys versus one. Especially when I feel like Dak Prescott would be much more understanding than a CD Lamb or an Amari Cooper. And a Michael Gallup, who's now in a contract year. Uh, but I do like the confidence from Mike McCarthy. Like I know that he is not the I do I know that he is not the greatest coach in the NFL, but 
I mean, name name one coach that's like that's going to come out in a press conference and be like, yeah, I don't like our chances this week. No, that's I, not... I totally under, I totally understand like the way like he worded it is a little off, but like more so the guarantee, I think. Yeah, yeah. it was more so a guarantee, which does and, not yeah, happen. 100%, 100% this is going to come back and bite him in the ass because now that you said this, you guys are going to win somehow. But <laughs> I mean, you got to you got to instill confidence in your guys cuz I'm sure that Dallas confidence level is fairly low right now. Yeah, and that's not a I mean, I guess, but what if you lose? What happens? I mean, if you if you lose, then you look like an idiot to the media. But I don't think Mike McCarthy gives a shit. And you look like even more of an idiot after last year. You super sucked. Granted, it was well, like without yeah, Dak Prescott. But that's two years where you kind of disappoint, man. I, well, I don't again, know. when when the quarter when the starting quarterback goes down, every other, you know, all expectations go out the window if the starting quarterback goes down for the year in week five. So. Well, I mean, if the receivers were running better routes, the backup quarterbacks would look fine, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the backup quarterback did look <laughs> fine when he played recently. Super. So, my thoughts on this whole thing: this is definitely a dysfunctional organization, bro. None of this shit should be said outside of the clubhouse. This is you keep this internal, bro. Not on the like, radio. I mean, I, I guess yeah, you know the exactly. ins and outs. I guess you know the ins and outs of a dysfunctional organization. So you you are one of the only people. This is hundred percent right true. I am an expert in this. Yes, that is. 100% we know a thing true. or two because we've seen a thing or two. <laughs> Amen to that, bro. And it'd be one thing if Mike McCarthy were in the locker room, like or at practice, being like, "This is a guaranteed dub. Mark it on your calendar, boys." Well, that's Let's the thing. Hyped. Like you double, like, you're doubling down by saying it in to at a press conference. Like, just instill confidence. And then if you do, I know you look really bad if you lose, but if you win, it's like Joe Namath was an average quarterback. People don't realize that. Joe Namath was an average to above average Where quarterback. Where did Joe Namath come from? He guaranteed the Super Bowl win, and he will be held in infamy because of that. I know this is on completely different levels, but Joe Namath was an average to above <laughs> average quarterback who okay. guaranteed a Super Bowl win. <laughs> and now, like, people talk about him like he's some great because he did that. I, if, if Mike McCarthy beats Washington on Sunday, I do not believe he will be in the same standing. If you don't hold Mike McCarthy in infamy, he's going to be a Hall of Fame coach because of this. This this is, this is a career altering game here. Week 14. Good Lord. Uh, Last thing I want to say on this whole subject. uh, I totally agree with you. Like Jerry Jones, the only reason he said that about the receivers is because he did not just sign his receivers to, one of the biggest contracts in NFL history. He did that with his quarterback. So, and so much was surrounding this contract in general. Like, so you want to be able to support that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're the Dallas Cowboys. Right. Yeah. You're going to stand up for your quarterback. I get like, I mean, but you're pissing off the receiving core that has made Dak so great. So, you know, dysfunctional organization for me. Made him so great. That's true. That's System awesome. quarterback. All right. Let's dive into the tail of the tape before this game. Now that we've had some nice debates, uh, Dallas on the side of the tape. They are first in yards per game this year with 416.2 total offensive yards per game. But in their last three games, kind of fell off a little bit. They've been 10th in the league in yards per game in the last three games. Uh, but 
You look at the defense, it's a completely different story. They have allowed the 27th most yards per game in the or No, not the 27th most yards per game, but they are 27th in yards per game allowed, which is not good. That's a bottom five team. Uh, 372 and a half yards per game. And in the last three games, they are the worst defense, hands down, no question. Most yards allowed per game. But we've mentioned a lot. This is a turnover-dependent defense, and they are tied for first in team interceptions, a lot of that being because of Mr. Trayvon Diggs. And I sent you guys a little bit of, little bit of a video earlier of uh, Terry dusting him last year and uh, doing the whole baby thing, rocking the baby in his face after, and then they kind of went at it. But I'm looking forward yeah, to seeing that matchup you. again. This might be – you know, that's a good question, man. Do you think Trayvon Diggs and Terry McLaurin might be – wide receiver cornerback matchup to watch for years to come i mean yes they're gonna play each other twice a year i feel like Diggs is kind of a feisty guy i don't know why i get that maybe just because he gambles for picks um, well terry and trayvon all also <laughs> fought last year so yeah. oh yeah <laughs> well that, def- yeah, that definitely adds something to it yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah def- definitely could be if they play each other twice a year yeah for sure for sure all right, let's dive into the Washington football team side of the debate. Uh, unfortunately, for the season, this defense has not played up to expectation. They have allowed – they are 24th in points per game allowed, which is 24.8 points per game. But like I said last podcast, they have really began to turn in around. In their last three games, they are the fifth best defense in football in points per game allowed, allowing only 17 points per game. And I mentioned last time, time of possession has been really big for us. We are fourth in the league in total time of possession, averaging 32 minutes of possession every game. And in the last three games, we're second in time of possession. And for the season, we are eighth in first downs per game. And in the last three games, we are third. So definitely starting to look good on the offensive side. Um, And a little bit of matchup history for you guys. In case you guys didn't know, Washington football team has been really, really bad for the last decade or two, but this used, yeah, I know, shocker, shocker, but this used to be one of the (laughs) biggest rivalries in football. When the Cow, uh, when the Cowboys and the Redskins back in the eighties, when you had John Riggins, Joe Theismann, that whole crew going up against Aikman, Irvin, this used to be one of the biggest rivalries in football, hands down. And it has not been that way (laughs) the past two decades, sadly. Um, But the numbers are a little closer than you would think since 2018 in the last six games, the matchup history, three and three, we both have taken three wins. And <laughs> last year, you talked about the last 25 years and then took a three year sample size. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. Dallas dominates the matchup entirely uh, yeah, in history. Yeah. So I didn't want to, didn't want to mention that, but we did beat up, on uh, Ben DiNucci last year, and we won both games. (laughs) We won both games against Ben DiNucci last year, 25-3 to and 41-16. to So Dallas has taken their lickings from us recently. I will say that. All right, let's dive into the picks for this game. The spread, Dallas minus four and a half. And the money lines, Dallas minus 200. Washington football team plus 140 or plus 170. Apologies. Um, And I'll go first with my pick, dude. I'm going with Washington football team and the spread in the money line. I'm a believer, bro. Count me in. Jaden? And it's at home, too. It's going to be awesome. Jaden, what you got? I don't know. Yeah, I'm going Dallas. There will be both. more Cowboys uh, fans there, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's the Cowboys. They travel 
pretty well. Um, I think I'm going to go Dallas on both. How is how? Okay, I feel uneducated asking this, but how has William Jackson been recently? Is he going up as an addition to the defense, or is he still? Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. He's definitely gotten rid of the early season mistakes. I mean, he had that pick against Tom Brady that kind of like revived his Washington career so far this year. So that was cool. Okay, well, I'm calling. And we it- got Kendall Fuller on the outside. Too. I mean, those are really good corners, man. Look at you vouching. Look at you. Uh, yeah, Mike McCarthy will be getting enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Give me Dallas on both on Sunday. Sweet. Mitchell, fuck you. Fuck you, you piece of shit. You're seven and five and you're shaking your head right now. Fuck you. We're six and six. You guys are seven and five and you stand on a fucking pedestal. We're six, six and yeah? one, though. Is that how it is, what? bro? Your I wasn't even laughing at you. Trash. I was laughing at the fact that you guys were talking about William Jackson earlier in the year being a complete bust after talking so highly of him in the offseason. It's been a complete light switch on and back and forth this year. It has. You're very right. Sorry, I'm a little defensive on my team in case I'm a little uh I'm a little defensive on the Washington football team in case you couldn't tell. But who's your pick for this game? It was not about Washington, it was about William Jackson. <laughs> But a quick injury update that I forgot to mention to you, Kane. <laughs> Tony Pollard, he has a partial tear in his plantar fashion, mm-hmm. and he's going to be a game-time decision. I got to imagine he's not going to be that involved in the game plan, considering it's so fresh to him. And for that reason, and Zeke being banged up as well, but finally logging full practices, I'm going to take Dallas on the money line, but – Washington on the spread. I don't see them being able to break away a big lead on this because the run game might be a bit hobbled and they might have to rely more on passing. We are also the fourth. Apparently, best William Jackson and Fuller stepping up lately, so they're they're looking better. And also, we are receivers can't run good routes. <laughs> very true. And a lot of the criticism has been on Dallas not being able to run the football. And that is the reason that they have not been as hot as of lately. And they're going up against the fourth best run defense football this week. So that should tell you a little something, you know, just, you know, but you guys go ahead with Dallas. That's cool. I love it. I love that. I don't know, man. I like, I've never, I've never actually thought I was going to be taking the Washington football team this year, (laughs) but like, I don't, I I don't was trust Dak. To take him this game, without, without a run game, I don't trust Dak. I don't feel good about taking him, but I don't know. I think he, you guys don't a good game manager. It's, That's what I'm okay. seeing from him. I'm just tired. Thank you, Jaden, for saying that. Because I'm tired of you guys. When I start talking about my team, you guys, like, shaking your heads and <laughs> laughing at me. That just – that hurts my feelings. It's because you're so and, passionate. It's just funny to us. Well, because – and there was also, like, the point in time where – we didn't even talk about Washington for like a month because they were just so bad and you didn't even want to talk about it. Yeah. And it's just weird. I like, I, when I saw them in the headliner games, I was like, Oh my God. Okay. Oh yeah. He put them as like a random headliner against some garbage team above yeah. like, <laughs> like yeah. a prime time game. And we were like, what is he doing? That was an that. episode he wasn't even on and he just did the notes for us. And I was like, okay, Washington is in the headliner games, but that's we, real funny. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I'm laughing it up over here. We got a we got a backhand yeah. credit that we just gave you. Um, we can't uh, we can't give you my belly hurts, bro. My belly hurts from laughing so hard. Please stop, please. Give me well, a I want to make your belly hurt, Kane. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. 
All right, let's move on to the next game that we have on the slate. And that is going to be a good one. And it is the Buffalo Bills who are sitting at seven and five at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are sitting at nine and three. So things to watch in this game. The Buccaneers look to make it four straight with this win. They have three straight wins right now. These wins coming against the Giants, at the Colts, and at the Falcons. And those might that might not seem like the toughest of competition, but playing at Indianapolis and at Atlanta, you know, those aren't exactly easy matchups. So nice wins, putting together a solid streak here. But I want to point out something about the Bucs schedule. I was looking at it, man, and it's really not that impressive. They have not really played a ton of hard. Teams yeah, they they came into this season with the easiest strength of schedule. Yeah, like it's not like it's not fair. Like against in games against teams hardest. currently, what did you say? We had the hardest. <laughs> yeah, um, but the Bucks in games against teams currently at or above five hundred. Here's the results. In week one, they played the Cowboys. They beat the Cowboys 31 to, 20, uh, 31 to 29. In week three, they played the Rams, and they lost 34 to 24. In week four, they played the Patriots, and they win 19 to 17. In week 10, they lost to the Washington football team, who is currently at 500, uh, 29 to 19. And in week 12, they won against Indianapolis 38 to 31. And... What I notice here, they're three and two in games against teams currently at or above 500. And these are also really close games. Like all, they three are, of the, all three of those wins came down to the final position. Right. Like these are really, so it's not like this Bucks team is absolutely dominating teams this year. Like people are putting them as the number one, no doubt team in football right now. And I think you're jumping the gun a little bit, but <clears throat> excuse me. You can't count. Uh, you cannot doubt the numbers that they're putting up right now. They're first in points per game. They're second in yards per game. And Brady is putting together another MVP season. He's first in passing yards with almost 4K already. Um, he very much he's th- sitting at 3,771. So he very much might reach that 4K mark in this game against Buffalo. And he also leads the league in touchdowns with 34. And he's second in QBR. And unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately. This Bucks defense is playing well. Tenth in yards per game allowed. So, I want to ask you guys: So, are, is this Bucks team sitting at nine and three right now, and Tom Brady playing a better season than he did last year? Are these Bucks better than they were in their Super Bowl campaign last year? Jaden, I'll ask you. Uh, it's really tough because what I remember of the Bucks last year was not very fond. But then you like now we have the knowledge of them going and dominating all throughout the playoffs and going and dominating in the Super Bowl. So then we had an entire February to September of this year to think about the Bucks are the greatest team ever. Like that was like the whole, that was the narrative all off season. But like, if you remember in the regular season, they were struggling. Like they had the whole win or loss against the bears with the Brady holding up, couldn't figure out what down it was like this, this team was fairly dysfunctional up to this point uh, before they got a B last year. And they don't have a B again. Like he's, he's out, I think for the next two weeks now. And they're talking Rumors about, are that they're going to cut him. Yeah. That's not happening. Cause Tom Brady plays in Tampa Bay and Tom Brady is going to give that a strong veto. Uh, <laughs> but, but 
like like we've talked about, those are those wins against 500 teams or above 500 teams all in the last possession of the game. Like the, the, they're not beating teams convincingly. They're beating these bad teams convincingly as they should. It's Tom Brady and they're going to go out with the offense they have. They absolutely should do that. But I don't think they're going to be as impressive as impressive as they were coming down the stretch of last year. Yeah, I agree. Mitchell, what you got? I think they're probably just about on par, but look at it. Looking at the team, they just won the Super Bowl. They brought everybody back. You can't imagine they're going to be much different looking at it. But I, one thing that does seem to be happening this year as opposed to last year is Brady and Gronk have completely reunited at this point. And Brady having his favorite target again, that's a scary sight to see. And that's why they're winning these games that are tight because – he always has that safety net, Robert Gronkowski, and I think that's going to come up huge coming down the stretch of the season. Yeah, for sure. And if you Gronkowski. look for me, uh, from well, I don't want to move on from the Gronkowski talk. What you got? Oh no, I was just going to be like that. Uh, that Gronkowski kid reminds me of a certain tight end that's playing in Pittsburgh right now. <laughs> and I mean, drop the game-winning catch. He didn't Saturday. drop it, man. Yeah. Got punched out. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> wasn't it? It, it was, was more a like a pass. He could have had that. More like a, it was a, a perfect pat. pass. He punched it out, dude. It wasn't. A, a that punch. is a, that it was was more like a, a, a push the ball you. out. I'm gonna pat you, jackass. <laughs> anyway, there he goes. Uh, while Jaden's gone, putting on his Pat Frymouth jersey. Um, what I will say about the Bucks, <laughs> if you look at this year and last year, one thing that is definitely not as good this year is the defense. That run defense was dominant last year and would not allow anything. But that's mostly a veteran defense. You've got guys like JPP, Ndamukong Sue, uh, Levante David, uh, Shaq Barrett. Like these are guys that have been in the league for a minute. And I don't know, I don't know how long Shaq Barrett been in the league. But you look at guys like Levante David, Ndamukong Sue, and JPP. Mostly twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Like these the are secondary all veteran. Fairly fresh, though. Fairly, I mean, you got like, Richard Sherman. Yeah, you got Richard Sherman yeah, out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got starting to get some health back on that defense. But my point being, this is a lot older defense, and it's not playing as well this year. They're letting up a lot of points. Um, also, the thing that's different this year in benefit of the Buccaneers and why they might be a better team this year is the run game, dude. Leonard Fournette is playing like he was in Jacksonville when he was being regarded as a top five running back in the league. I think he he's only 25, dude. I think he might be slipping back into that conversation now. I think he's 26, 25 or 26, either one. But he's I think 26, he's in that huge grouping of them. That's all 26 right now. Mm-hmm. But if the, the Bucks did not really have a running game last year until they went out and got Lenny and he did so well in the playoffs and we expected to see more of that this year and Lenny kind of started slow, but phew, that man's a monster this year. So I think He's gonna get as bad. far as things, yeah, for sure. Things going well for the Bucks. Now that you've got that running game, I think this team might be better, but there's also the defensive concerns. So you got to look at both sides of the coin. All right. Let's dive into the Bills side of things. And they have not been as hot as the Buccaneers, in case you didn't know. 
Their first five games of the season, Buffalo looked like they have for the past three years. Uh, they were four and one in their first five. Uh, Super Bowl was not that far fetched. Um, but now in the last five games, it's really starting to slip away from them. They are two and three in their last five. They have losses to the Jags, the Colts, and the Patriots during that time. Colts and Patriots, definitely tough, but you should probably try to steal that Colts game, definitely. And that Jags game is just an embarrassment. Um, and when you look at what the problem is right now, um, usually you got the electric offense on the year. They're ninth in yards per game. and But in their last three games, they are 22nd in total yards per game on the offense. And a lot of that falls on Josh Allen, who has multiple INTs in two of his last three games. And he has less than 210 passing yards in two of his last three games. Um, and the upcoming schedule for them, it's sort of kind of favorable. I mean, you do play the Bucs this week, um, but then you've got the Panthers. But then in week 16, you've got at the Patriots in Foxborough. But then you've got week 17, Atlanta, and week 18, the Jets. So playoff chances, definitely still alive. But I want to ask you guys, because this – this team as currently constructed doesn't seem like it'll be able to make it to a Super Bowl. So what needs to be done in the offseason for this Buffalo team to put them into that Super Bowl category? Jaden? Uh, I don't know. It's really tough because like I talked about, I think getting Tredavious White will be very nice to get him back next year. There's just like they've got a couple things missing. A, they need a run game terribly bad. Like they have had no run game all year. And I think that's what kind of cost them that New England game because they would have loved to go out there and do exactly what New England did and just pound the football through a running back, but they can't because their running backs suck. So I, I think, you know, you've got a solid pair of safeties. You've obviously got your franchise quarterback. You've got receivers. Your line is good enough. Do the they have back, receivers, though? They you've have got Stephon, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Manny Sanders. Cole Beasley? I mean, you're, you're not, Cole drafting, Beasley a, and Emmanuel you're not drafting a wide receiver in the first round. No, I don't think you are. If you're Buffalo, you definitely I need think, a second option, though. I think I think running back has got to be what you go to in the first round. There's like I know that everybody talks about not drafting a running back in the first round, but the reason why I defended the Najee pick last year was because there are certain situations where the team is good enough and it needs a running game badly, and it needs one that's going a guy that's going to inject some fire into the offense from the running game. You take a running back in the first round in that scenario, and the Bills are in position to do that. They're probably going to be picking in the back half of the first round. I think a running back is the best thing that they should do with their draft pick. Fair. Mitchell, what do you think? I think they just need to improve their trenches in general because they've been getting bitched lately. It's been bad. I mean, look at Jonathan Taylor. He beat the ever-loving crap out of him. No Belichick beat the ever-loving crap out of him. They've been trying to draft players up front like Russo and Ed Oliver. It's just not been working out on the defensive end. And then on the offensive end, there's no well, running. Well, I think there's an argument. That's partially on the running. Yeah. The, the defense I mean, has been one of the best in the league this year. Pass defense has been one of the best in the league. True. I mean, look at what they've been doing lately. The offensive line has to be part of the issue with the run game because they're okay backs. They show flashes on the outside and stuff like that. But overall, they just – they can get bullied by any of those tough, gritty teams up front. And they have been trying to fix defense. I got to imagine running back is still the biggest issue because if you get someone that has 
like Jaden said, like Najee, he brings that spark of energy. It doesn't matter how bad the offensive line is. Look at Saquon Barkley, his rookie season. He's breaking off 80 yarders or nothing because his offensive line was horrible. Anything is better than nothing in their case. Yeah. And I think you're seeing a trend here of teams that were very offensive dependent these past few years really start. You're starting to see that come back and bite them. Uh, Obviously, the first team that comes to mind is the Kansas City Chiefs. And once they started to develop a run game, you saw that. I mean, you're looking at them now. Yeah. Sitting at the top of their division. I've talked about it like the whole running backs aren't important argument gets skewed a lot because running backs aren't important, but a running game is you need a good running game to survive. Well, that kind of, that kind of contradicts what you just said though. No, there's in a, that there's case, a difference. Zach Moss there's and a, Devin Singletary should be doing great. <laughs> there's a difference between a good, like you don't have to have great running backs to have a great running game. You, I mean, is Tony Pollard a top five running back? Probably not. But if you stick Tony Pollard behind the Dallas offensive line, he is two times better than Zach Moss or Devin Singleton. No, but I'm just saying he's a starting running back. Just in general, like he's not a top five guy, but if you stick him with the offensive line, with the threat of Amari Cooper, CD lamb, Dak Prescott, he can produce top five ish numbers. Like he can produce that and, you know, that is important. You need to be able to run the ball. You don't need to have a top five running back, but having a top five running game is really nice. Yeah, for sure. You just need to have that threat because if you don't have the threat of running the game, then you're just going to drop the safeties and it's game over, especially with a guy like Josh Allen. So good stuff there. I think there's definitely a case to be made that they might go a wide receiver in the first three rounds, at least. Because hey, I definitely you've think got... they put in the first three rounds, but there's I think there are many other positions. I mean, you look interior offensive line, they just locked up both tackles this offseason, so I don't think they'll go tackle. Interior offensive line, you they might look to go pass rusher again for the third year in a row in the first two or three rounds. Uh and you might need to start looking at safety. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are not you know, they're not 22, 23. They're getting up there in age, and I don't know what their contract situation is, but you might need to look to draft their replacement soon. Or re-sign them because they are one of the best safety duos. Yeah, but they're football. both over 30 now. Yeah, that's true. Let me let me do a let me do a fact check on that real quick just for I think just Jordan Poyer might be I think, Jordan, I think Jordan Poyer might be 29. All right. Jordan Poyer is 30 years old. Micah Hyde, 30 years old. Oh, both on the dot. There you go. <laughs> Damn, Jaden with the fucking I age stats. Sheesh. <laughs> Good shit, man. I've played some All franchise right. in my day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's dive into our picks for this game. And I will start with the spread and the money lines. Uh, the spread, Tampa Bay minus three and a half. And the money lines, Tampa Bay minus 175 and Buffalo plus 150. And I am going to take, dude, I'm taking Tampa Bay on the spread and the money line. I don't know what's going Like, I mean, we've talked a lot about what's going on in Buffalo right now, but they just cannot seem to get it right. So, yeah, give me Tampa Bay, team that's balling. Jaden, what you got? That feels like an extremely small spread for a team that's at home. I mean, like, we've talked about how you get the three when you're at home. 
That means this is a half point spread, which is basically nothing if it's on a neutral field for a Buffalo team who is spiraling and Tampa who's won three or four straight now. I'm taking Tampa Bay on both, and I don't even think it's a difficult choice. Amen. Mitchell. I'm going Tampa on both. Like I said, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are great at what the Bills aren't, and that's the trenches. They have a great offensive line. They have a great defensive front, and I think they're going to get smacked in this game. There you go. Um, and if they lose uh, to the Bucks, and then they lose to the Patriots, and then they lose one of those other three games, Atlanta, Jets, and the Panthers. We're looking at nine and eight. Yeah, that's not a playoff team. And even if you do, like I, I've mentioned it before, 10 wins is not going to cut it this year. But the extra game. Well, like, and the thing is, like, but with, with the state of the AFC, 10 wins, like, if you get some really intent, well, obviously not them because of New England, but, like, if you're Tennessee, you can win your division with 10 games. If, I mean, if things work out, like, one of the AFC West teams NFC could win. Their div- yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of your AFC West teams, they could win. The AFC North could win the division with 10 wins right now. It's just so crowded in the AFC that all these teams are going to finish 10 and seven. And it's just going to be like a labyrinth of tiebreakers. Yeah. It's, more, it's, it's a little <laughs> closer in the NFC with the wild cards and stuff right now, but it's just bizarre year. It's just like both yeah. of them are crazy close right now. It's, any given Sunday. Amen to that. All right, let's dive into our final game in the headliners, and that is our Monday night football matchup, which should be a lot of fun. It is the Los Angeles Rams who are sitting at eight and four at the Arizona Cardinals who are sitting at 10 and two, a battle of the NFC West teams this week. A lot of playoff implications this week, a lot of interdivision games. It's going to be, you got Ravens, Browns. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a week. I'm excited. But anyway, first thing I want to address is with you, Mr. Injury Expert, Mitchell McDonald. And what you got on uh, Chase Edmonds and Cooper Cup right now? Well, Chase Edmonds is finally designated for return after his high ankle sprain. He's finally in that timeline of the four to six weeks. He's looking like he's on pace to probably play. Keep an eye on his practice availability on Friday. But if he's a full go, you kind of have to worry about him taking away snaps from James Conner for a fantasy aspect. But down the long road, I think Conner's going to get more carries just because Edmonds is not conditioned right now. And in Cooper Cup's case, he came up kind of as a surprise on the injury report with a toe issue. Granted, he's still been practicing through it, and he's a lock-it-in, no-doubt guy, no matter what, in fantasy. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on as it is very important to have healthy toes as a wide receiver, as many of you may know. There you go. You have to use your feet in football, which is kind of a crazy concept. And you, you it's a weird that, concept, right? You're a I do. I'm a very expert. experienced uh, safety in flag football. Had uh, four <laughs> games of experience, one interception. Uh, yeah, it was a hell of a time. One Pete, one pass deflection. That was crazy. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. So Chase Claypool has been playing with a toe injury recently. So maybe that could be, you know, an answer for some of his mental lapses. So is Aaron Rodgers, who's also it's toes are falling like flies. Anyway, this is not a toe podcast. Uh this is a football podcast. Let's get into that. There you go. A lot of the a lot of the fetish fans out there will be 
very ecstatic about that. All right. All right. All right. We've got football yeah. to talk about. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's dive into it. Um, the Rams are coming off their first win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Granted, but they're coming off their first win since their no-win November. They went the entire month of November without a win. Three straight losses against the Titans, the 49ers, and the Packers. Granted, that is not the easiest of opponents to go up against, but it is still three losses. And one of those games, Titans did not have Derrick Henry. So that was really the beginning of the spiral down. Um, But a lot of this blame can kind of be thrown on Matt Stafford as of recently. On the season, I mean, he had been having an MVP caliber season, and he's not out of it yet. But in the as far as the season goes, he's third in yards, second in touchdowns, and he's thrown only nine interceptions, which is tied for 20th. But in the month of November, he was 17th in passing yards, 16th in passing touchdowns, and he had the fourth most interceptions in the month of November with five. So I want to ask you guys, if the Rams don't win the division this year or next year, which is very possible with the emergence of the Arizona Cardinals, is it time for rebuild in L.A.? Uh, the reason I asked this is because I looked at the contract situation for the Rams. And it's it's kind of interesting. So no surprise here. The expired contracts you have after this year, you got Von Miller and OBJ, who you both acquired this year. You know, no debates there. Obviously, they're going to be gone. But, I mean, they could return. But those are obviously expiring contracts. Um, but then next year, you've got – after next year, you've got Stafford. He is now a free agent. You've got Daryl Henderson, your RB1, who's now a free agent. Uh, Sean Robinson, who's their defensive tackle, being paid $8 million a year. He's going off to free agency. And Andrew Whitworth, who's like 100 years old, but still, yeah, Andrew, there's up, no way in hell he plays that contract out. There's no chance. <laughs> He's 41 yeah, after I mean, next he, year. He do be making that $10 million a year, though. So maybe he will suck it up. But you look at the McVay era, bro. It's like you think this Rams team has been like super good. And McVay is definitely, no question about it, one of the best head coaches in football. But one NFC championship appearance, 2017, since McVay arrived. And they only have three playoff wins and three playoff losses. So is it time for a rebuild in L.A. if these next two seasons don't pan out with the Cardinals coming on to the sea? Jaden? Uh, well, if I'm not mistaken, a rebuild would be nearly impossible because they have no assets. <laughs> they have next to no young players and no young – or the fuck – no draft picks. So – you can't rebuild without draft picks. If you decide you're going, that would be one hell of a choice to rebuild with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper cup, all these guys on your, I mean, I know Matt Stafford's becoming a free agent, but I mean the hall, but do you look to trade those guys? It would be like, do you know how that's like, when's the next time you're going to get a quarterback in LA like Matt Stafford. And if you can't get it done with him, I mean, obviously it's not working. It's really tough because that that does pose a good question because if Matt Stafford does leave in free agency, you find yourself without a quarterback again, and Jalen Ramsey will be getting close to 30. Aaron Donald is already over 30. Those guys, I mean, Aaron Donald has maybe two or three more years of being arguably the best player in football in him. 
if you can get and the staple of this team has always been the defense and the defense is not playing up to par this year. If you can get two to three first round picks for both Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey in the event that Matt Stafford is gone. Now I do think that, you know, like them winning, them not winning the division in Arizona, as long as they make the playoffs and are like the top wild card in the next two years, you can't really call it, you know, like, okay, we need to blow this up now. You know, but what if they, they lose both those wild it's cards? Very, it's, very, it's very it's very easy to say that this is a failure. Now, that's a different question. If this is a failure, like this whole buying in thing, that you could definitely say that this is a failure because you gave up your entire draft for the next two years to build this team. And if you can't you know, get multiple playoff wins out of it, you've got to call that a failure. But it's going to be really hard to rebuild with – like you don't have any young players to be like, okay – we can trade these vets, draft players, and then add those to the young players we already have because they don't have any. They, their best young player is Cam Akers. After that, I can't name anybody who's Van like Jefferson. promising on this team. Uh, Van, I mean, Jefferson. Van Jefferson's okay. If Van Solid. Jefferson's your wide receiver one, you're in trouble. I don't know, man. I, did you see that clip with McVay and Van Jefferson? That made me so – that warmed my heart. It was a clip of uh, he scored the touchdown, and he was like – uh, Van Jefferson's walking by the sideline and like walking back in from the touchdown and McVay's right next to him. And he's like, good job, man. Good job. And then he starts to like walk away from him. And he was like, Hey man, look at me. And he was like, that was good. That was a good move, bro. Good stuff. Good decision. And he was like, I love you, baby. And then like literally two minutes later, McVay's walking across the sideline and Van Jefferson's sitting on the bench and Van Jefferson stands up and he hugs McVay. And he was like, thanks, man. He was like, all it, the confidence you give me, that's what makes me a good player. And he was like, oh, dude, you deserve it. And I was like, man, how can you not love football, bro? Oh, like, no. he just gets up and hugs him, dude. I was like, oh, man, that makes me happy. Anyway, off my little uh, soapbox real quick. Mitchell, do you see a rebuild happening in L.A. anytime soon? Uh, in the next two years, I feel like you might have to start nuking it because what holes are you going to be able to fill with third round and worst draft picks you're gonna have glaring holes no because money. you're spending so much on like four or five players like Jaden said you kind of have to look at trading away either Ramsey or Donald while they're still worth something if they don't see any success in the coming years and believe me there will be plenty of teams next year at the trade deadline if they're not looking so hot that would be willing to take a Jalen Ramsey or Aaron Donald at their high price for sure for sure. Um, one last thing that I want to throw out to you guys. I've mentioned Arizona Cardinals Rams kind of turning into a saucy little matchup here. So do you think we're looking at the beginning of the NFL's next big rivalry? I mean, they play in the same division. Uh, they've got players on their squads that, I mean, the Rams still got some young people. Like if they do end up not rebuilding and sticking with the same squad, I mean, they have a Super Bowl level squad. And you've got the Cardinals with Kyler Murray, who will be there forever, and a lot of other young pieces. And you've got two of the youngest, most talented NFL coaches in the league, Cliff Kingsbury and Sean McVay, going at it. So potential to be NFL's next big rivalry, Jaden? Well, there's a couple There's a couple things that you need for a really, really good rivalry. A, you got to be good. Both teams have to be relatively good, at least at the time of forming the rivalry. There has to be above average, consistent, stable quarterback play. It's really hard to build a rivalry when you got a quarterback carousel going on, which we could see in L.A. 
if Matt Stafford is going, that will be three quarterbacks in the span of four years, you know, um, and you've got to have bad blood. Uh, there's got to be, I need Jalen Ramsey and DeAndre Hopkins to start hating each other. Like there, there's got to be a fight at some point between somebody um, you got to, And it's really hard to build a rivalry now with this kind of football that's being played. Like it's not like Steelers Ravens in the two thousands where, you know, it's Ed Reed was just football. murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Heinz Ward was clearing his clock on a yearly basis. Uh, that just doesn't happen anymore. So it's really hard to like get that. Like, it, I mean, Steelers Ravens football is still like, I mean, it's what I look forward to every year, but it's not what it was. It's not what I remember watching as a kid. And that kind of sucks. But, there was know. a video of a fan, uh, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan on his couch. And it was some like girl, like some daughter recording him. And he was like, it was when, um, I think who helped who up? Somebody helped somebody up. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And, and it was like he was like, Raven up. yeah, you don't help a Raven up. <laughs> like, like that's you need that kind of stuff for a rivalry, you know. And I mean, there's definitely the potential for it in Cardinals Rams. You know, the thing that I look at and the two, most, like two Kingsbury, relatively small McVay. market teams. Yeah, I I do like, and I know that it's hard to say that LA is a small market, but the Rams are a small market team right now because they just don't have the fan base. Uh, but I definitely agree that having like, while they don't have the consistent quarterback play, having Kingsbury and McVay, that's always going to create something. And it always creates good football. That's why I like watching the Niners and the Packers play so much, because I feel like every time it's just a chess match and I love it. Yeah. That's why, why would you ever, when the thought of, Firing Kyle Shanahan was mentioned by Tyler. I was like, that would be just bad for football. I don't want to see that. Mitchell, you think we're seeing the next big rivalry in the NFL? I think it'll be definitely interesting over these next two years because these are two of the brightest young coaches in the league, and they have a lot of talent on the roster. But like you said, they might have a bit of a grace period in between if they blow up the entire Rams roster but I think McVay could manage to bring a team together and if both teams survive their head coaches and they last decades it could it definitely has potential to be one of the best rivalries in football oh yeah for sure for sure all right good debate there let's dive into the tale of the tape for this game uh the Rams side of the football they are fifth in points per game this year uh, they are fifth in yards per game, which that's an elite offense if you're looking at that. But in their last three games, they are 30th in rushing yards per game, which is really killing them. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, they're more middle of the pack. Uh, definitely not the Rams defenses of old. Uh, 12th in yards per game allowed and 16th in points per game allowed. Um Diving into the Cardinals side of things, they also have an elite offense in the league right now. They are third in points per game. Um, they are 10th in yards per game. And you go to the defensive side of things, they are just as dominant. They are fourth in points per game allowed and fifth in yards per game allowed. So, given that tail of the tape, let's make our game picks. Uh, the spread for this game, Arizona minus two and a half. And the money lines, Arizona minus 135. Rams plus 115. So I will go ahead with my pick first. And, you know, despite all the bad things surrounding the Rams right now, I'm going to go the Rams on the spread in the money line, just because it is really hard to beat a team like the Rams twice in one season. Jaden, what you got? Uh, I hate the Cardinals. I don't know what it is. I've just come to hate them, <laughs> but I think I'm going to go with them 
I think I'm going to go with them on Monday night. Uh, I, they just, they just keep finding ways to win. Like I know that everybody wants to talk about, Oh, well, Kyler Kyler Murray had four touchdowns on Sunday. He only had 120 yards passing, but he got four, he got four great field positions because they picked off Andy Dalton four times. This defense continues to surprise me every single week. I remember saying like, okay, this is an average defense, but it just, every single week they continue to show up and their offense is obviously, you know, going to be dynamite with Kyler Murray. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals at home. Sweet. Mitchell, what you got? I'm going to go with the Rams on both. I think they're going to actually reestablish themselves as one of the contenders in the NFC after this game, because they desperately need it. There you go. Good stuff. All right. Well, that does it for our headliner games this week, but let's dive into some of the other games and we definitely have some good ones. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. I know, man. It's that lung cancer, bro. <laughs> it's killing me. <laughs> anyway, let's dive into the other games we got this week. And the first game should be a good one and definitely had an argument to be a headliner game. And that is Ravens who are sitting at eight and four at the Browns who are sitting at six and six. The spread for this game is minus two and a half for Cleveland. Uh, This is definitely interesting because the Ravens played the Browns in week 12 and then there was a bye and now they play each other again. Well, there was a bye for Cleveland and now they play the Ravens Ravens get the Steelers in between. So can't imagine Baltimore was too happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, Cleveland minus two and a half is the spread. What we got, boys? Jaden, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm just going to say, like, if you would have told me three weeks ago that this wouldn't have even made the headliners, and Dallas, Washington did, like, <laughs> what? But, um, shit, man, this is really tough. As much as Marlon Humphrey hurts them, I don't think it hurts them in this game simply because of who the Browns start at wide receiver on a weekly basis. Um. So I'm going to go Baltimore. I think they really, really need this win, and the Browns are just – they just are dysfunctional as hell. I mean, the last time they played, Nick Chubb had 16 yards. Yeah. Like, that's that's unprecedented. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I, Give me Baltimore in this one. Mitchell. I'm going to go Browns on the money line, but I'm going to take the Ravens on the spread. They're in Cleveland. They got the dog pound with them. And at this point – who the hell is in the Ravens secondary anymore? I mean, they have Jimmy Smith and Anthony Averett, Chuck Clark, and then probably couldn't name a single player coming into this season from that team. Actually, I couldn't even name Averett coming into the season. So, Tavon Young definitely tore his ACL. The injuries just have to catch up, you know. Who? Tavon Young probably tore his ACL, right? Just. Oh, no, wait, he's back. He's playing, but it's only a matter of time for him. That's how he goes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Then what, three times he's torn his ACL or something like that? <laughs> yep. I'm going to take – God, this is a toughie. Baltimore. <laughs> I'm going to take – I'm going to take Baltimore on the spread, but I'm going to take Cleveland on the money line. I'm going to follow, follow Mitchell's thought. There's no way I see Nick Chubb getting 16 rushing yards again. Like, that is just – what are you doing, man? Like, why you? they're going to run the ball. And I think Cleveland's going to come out with the win. All right, next game we got is the Jacksonville Jaguars sitting at 2-10 and 10 at the Tennessee Titans. We're sitting at 8-4. and four. Spread for this game is Tennessee minus 8.5. Uh, real quickly, Mitchell, what you got on Mr. Julio Jones, who's looking to come back off of IR? 
He's finally coming back by the looks of it after his nagging hamstring injury, which has affected him pretty much since week one of the year. He is starting to practice. He looks like he's on track to play again, and he is pretty much the only wide receiver on that team anymore. So hopefully he'll come back. They might limit him some just because it's a very easy injury to re-injure with his hamstring. And Julio's history definitely says the odds are high that he re-injures this. So he, he might have a cap count on how much he sees, but I'd expect him to play. Gotcha. All right. Well, at the Tennessee minus eight and a half spread, dude, I'm finally on the bandwagon that this Tennessee team is trash without Derrick Henry. So <laughs> give me the Jags on the spread, but Titans on the money line. Jaden? I wanted to be I wanted to be more impactful, but you kind of stole a little bit of my thunder. Give me the Jags on both. Ooh. Fuck the Titans. I think I mean the Texans did this two weeks ago. I mean, I know that the elements were in there a little bit, but Titans ran for 200 yards in that game and they still lost. Like that it just shows me that this this defense isn't as good as what people thought it was. And I kept telling people, you know, don't don't get too caught up in these last couple of weeks where they've been really good. It's, you know, starting to get exploited by Tyrod Taylor. And the Jags have to play good at some point, right? This de- The Jags defense, I want to talk about that. The Jags defense is much better than people have been giving it credit for. They oh, yeah. Playing really I 100% good football agree. Lately. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. And hopefully the Jags get James Robinson on the field in this one and don't take him out of a game which you could have potentially won. Uh, Mitchell, what you got for this game? I think that Titans probably aren't going to cover. That's a huge spread. I think Jags cover, but I think the Titans take it overall. That Jags defense is starting to step up, and there's not a lot of firepower on the Titans, but they do have semi-weak corners. Julio might do okay, but on a cap count, it could definitely be on pace for a close game, in my opinion. (laughs) For sure. You know what, Jaden? I'm hopping on your bandwagon, bro. Let's do this thing. Jacksonville, all the way. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. Let's dive into our next game on the slate. And that is what was expected to be a headliner game uh, four weeks back. But then um, Chiefs beat the hell out of them. Uh, It is Raiders who are sitting at six and six at the Kansas City Chiefs who are sitting at eight and four. The spread is Kansas City minus nine and a half. And as much as like, yeah, as much as I don't want to do it, I'm going to take with Waller, what's the status of Darren Waller? Do you know? He's doubtful, I believe. He should be mistaken. coming back soon, if not now. IT band was only one to two weeks. It's not like he tore it. He just kind of pulled it. Um, Let me look it up. I didn't add him. He's hadn't practiced yet this week, so that's not a good sign. Oof. Yeah. And they Still added him back Thursday. to the injury report, so. Okay, so that means Darren Waller is not in the best of shape right now. So give me Kansas City on the spread and the money line. I didn't want to do the spread because that's a big spread for a team that's not crazy good offensively and right now against a team that's six and six, but a team that's six and six without their best offensive weapon uh, drawing a lot of attention the on the field. offensive weapon. Very true. Uh, yeah, give me Kansas City on the spread and money line. Jaden? Yeah, I'm not happy that this landed in week 14 as opposed to week 15 because Travis Kelsey eats on against the Raiders, and I would have really liked to have that for fantasy playoffs, but 
God doesn't like me. So, uh, you know, is what it is. Give me the Chiefs on both. Uh, they kicked the shit out of them last time. So, sweet. Mitchell. I think the Raiders are actually going to manage to cover. I don't know why, but it's just too enticing not to take. But the Chiefs will win overall just because there's a lack of anything left on the Raiders. I mean, Josh Jacobs and Hunter Renfro, that's your offensive talent. That's all you have. Yeah. Hunter Renfro, though, having a nice, nice little season. Uh, next game we got on the slate is the New Orleans Saints, who are sitting at five and seven at the New York Jets, who are sitting at three and nine. The spread is New Orleans minus five and a half. Uh, Mitchell, what you got on Kamara real quick? Kamara looking to finally come back. He's been logging full practices. They said he probably could have gone last week. It's just they wanted that extra week of rest for him. And considering Mark Ingram and Ty Montgomery are both on the COVID-19 list, I would expect him to immediately jump back into 20-plus touches. He should have a huge game against the Jets. Sweet. All right, given that information, I'm taking the Saints on the spread in the money line. I've taken the Jets, like, multiple times, and they fucked me. So, fuck them. Go New Orleans. Jaden? You know what? I'm doing this again. Give me the Jets. <laughs> On both. I am prepared to be heard again. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I'm doing this. I mean, I didn't take – I was, weirdly enough, the only person that didn't take the Jets last week. Um, but I, I just don't like what the Saints are doing right now. I think the Jets, like, I know they didn't win last week, but they looked good. Like they, they for, have looked good. For, That's for what I'm saying. Half, they, they looked good, good in the first half. They yeah, fell yeah, apart yeah, in the yeah. second half. Whatever. Zach Wilson won Pepsi Rookie of the Week, by the way. The only reason I know that is because I saw the Jets like Instagram or Snapchat say, like, hello from oh, your Lord. Pepsi Rookie of the Week. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, give me the Pepsi Barbie. Rookie of the Week on the That's spread. Friar Moot's a rookie, right? I'm not tripping. Yeah. Has, he won yeah, yeah. Pepsi, has he won Pepsi Rookie of the Week? I don't think many tight ends win that. Yeah, Friar Moot is uh, having a significantly better season than Kyle Pitts. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> all right, like not even close. All right, that's some serious ASMR there. Uh, Mitchell, what you got for your pick? I'm gonna take the Saints on both. I know that they've been struggling lately, but they haven't had Alvin Kamara, which is pretty much their only offensive weapon. And I think Barbie boy Zach Wilson is gonna get beat up by that defensive line of Saints. I just they've got to have a bounce back game sooner or later, right? Yeah, heated up uh, just Sean a little Payton bit in that team. wild card race. Yeah, a Sean Payton led team and Taysom Hill, he will be a running force in this game as well. So yeah, uh, next game we got on the slate uh, shouldn't be a long debate here. Um, well, I guess uh, Falcons who are sitting at five and seven at the Carolina Panthers who are also sitting at five and seven. <clears throat> Spread for this game is Carolina minus two and a half, and yeah. Uh, give me Carolina on the spread in the money line, Jaden. Yeah, um, it's gonna be tough because Falcons have that bum ass tight end. Um, but I think I'm gonna go with the Falcons on both just because <laughs> I think Cam Newton sucks. Hey, McCaffrey's gone, he sucks, he's terrible. Remember when he said there's not 32 quarterbacks better than him? There probably is. They're, I'd say four or five of them are playing college right now. So, um, yeah, give me, give me the Falcons on both. All right. Mitchell, what you got? 
I'm going to take the Panthers on Booth, actually. I think the Falcons are finally reaching their collapse at the end of the year, and they'll fall out of the playoff race. Even though Cam Newton does kind of stink, I think they'll find a way to pull this off. Yeah, I think Especially so. Especially at home. Yeah. And the Panthers have a better defense, too. I will throw a lot of credit uh, to A.J. Terrell, though, who was having a really nice season for Atlanta this year. Um, next game we got on the slate, uh, it is the Seahawks, who are sitting at 4-8. and eight. At the Houston Texans, we're sitting at 2-10. and 10. The spread for this game, Seattle minus 8.5. Give me Seattle on both. And I, even though Houston did have a nice showing against Tennessee recently, uh, give me Seahawks on both because I think Russell Wilson is back. Jaden, and if they win this game, they are nearing playoff territory. Jaden, what you got? Give me, give me Seattle on both. Uh, the Texans are the Houston Texans without Deshaun Watson. I, I don't. I feel like I don't have to explain this too much. DK Metcalf, please reappear. Like, where's where's the big man that we saw? You know, doing these great things all year last year, and you know, you, this this is a get right game. This is a get-right game. There's no way around it. Seattle's got to win this one. Give me Seattle. Mitchell. I wanted to say this was going to be a shootout and end up being closed, but uh, Jamal Adams being out might actually help the Seahawks secondary somehow because he's horrendous in coverage. But it is Davis Mills playing for the Texans probably by the looks of it. So I think the Seahawks just obliterate them. It'll probably be a decently high-scoring team, well, game for fantasy-wise for everybody involved because both defenses are horrible, but I, I don't see them getting within the nine they need. For sure. For sure. Next game we got is the one ten and one <clears throat> Detroit lions at the seven or six and six Denver Broncos. The spread in this game is Denver minus 10. And uh, you know what? Give me, uh, give me lines on the spread. Minus Denver on the money 10? line. Oh, God. No. I know, but what they did to Minnesota last week, yeah, give me Detroit on the spread, Denver on the money line. Jaden? I feel like De- or Detroit might have used all the resources. Like, they had been just, like, getting there and then not quite winning games all year, and then they finally finished the job. They're going to be so exhausted. They're going to be riding that high. <laughs> it's like, all right, fuck it, we did it. Yeah, yeah, just like, all right, we got it. That was their Super Bowl. Like, and, like, I, when I, you said that as a joke, but – They've got to hold on to this. If they win another game because of that tie, they now lose rights to the number one pick to Houston. Like that's got to be in the back of your mind when you're when you're Maybe playing next. this game. I know that they're. <laughs> I know that Dan Campbell doesn't seem like the kind of guy to throw games, but the GM is 100 in his ear. Like let's uh, let's maybe take it take take the foot off the gas pedal this week if we're down by ten, you know. And I think the Broncos might have uh, might have unleashed Javante Williams, so it might be time to. Oh, yeah. I think it's time. Mitchell, what you got? I got the Broncos on money line, pretty obviously, but not on the spread because the lines outside of that game against Philly have been relatively close in every game. I I just can't see this being a blowout in any way. Me neither. Lack of firepower on the Denver offense, for sure. Uh, Next game we got to dive into is the Giants, who are sitting at four and eight. At the Chargers, Mitchell's own Chargers, who are sitting at seven and five. Uh, Chargers are favored minus 10. Uh, <clears throat> but Mitchell, what you got on the Chargers receivers? Saquon Barkley and Kadarius Tony. 
Well, with the Chargers receivers, Monday morning, everybody knows Keenan Allen went on to the COVID-19 list. He, since he's vaccinated, if he turns in two negative tests within, what was it, 48 hours right before game time, he can play. He has a shot, probably outside shot. And then Mike Williams, he was a close contact with him. But seeing as though they only need five days of negative tests when you're a close contact and unvaccinated, he can come back to the team on Saturday. So far this week, no positive test turned in. So that's a good sign that Mike Williams will play. And then Kadarius Tony, this man cannot stay healthy. He looked like the second coming of Christ against the Dallas Cowboys. And then the next week, immediately got hurt. And he just has not been able to get healthy. He's dealing with an oblique issue and a quad issue core muscle injury, and a muscle very involved in running. He has yet to practice this week. It's not looking good for him playing yet again. And then Saquon Barkley, this ankle injury has been nagging with him. He, I'm not concerned about his playing status, more so that he's limited right now. And I don't think we'll see that burst of Saquon that we're used to seeing because this injury has nagged him so long. Fair. Dude, I just want to say a little piece on Kadarius Sony real quick. I am waiting for extremely this. disappointed in this dude. If he were healthy, like it's not even like my fault. Well, bro. it's because he's like 180 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> like, do you expect him to not get hurt? Is Tyreek Hill what about Devontae like, Smith? Some he's fine. Physical presence. Yeah, exactly. Like guys <laughs> that are small definitely could be good at wide receiver. I mean, this is the guy that was arguing his ass off for Devontae Smith not too long ago. Uh but against Michael Gallup, remember, I tried to say that. Oh, yeah. Well, no shit, because yeah. talent holds well, precedent there. I'm very disappointed in Kadarius Tony. I, if he were healthy, he has the talent, man. He has first-round talent. He's a playmaker, but he just couldn't get healthy this year. So it is what it is. Anyway, let's dive into the picks for this game. Like I said, the spread is Chargers minus 10. Um, give me Chargers on the spread in the money line. Jaden? Um, so just to be clear, if I'm hearing this correctly, we will know by like one o'clock ish Saturday. Oh, well, it's forty. It's forty eight hours for Keenan, right? Uh, that's going through the week. I don't know if he's. I haven't looked up how many tests he's been taking lately. If he's been turning in negatives, but I know uh-huh. there's been some people that came back early, but he's okay. probably well. He's, he's anticipated to play. Yeah, he's anticipated to play right now. Mike Williams uh, is probably the most anticipated just out of the two, just because he hadn't turned anything in positive. Yeah, I, I mean, regardless, I still think I'm going to go Chargers on both. <sighs> actually, no. Chargers on the money line, Giants on the spread. I don't remember the last time I actually did like a this team on the money line, but a different team on the spread. Usually I'm just like, a if I think they're going to win, I think they're going to win. Book it. Yeah, like every single team so far today, so far last week, like this is just what I do. There you go. Mitchell, what you got? Uh, it's rare for us to have a 10-point spread. It's hard to believe because every game is unnecessarily close, but I think we're going to manage to mollywop them in this game. We're going to take charges on spread and money line, and I hope a friend of the program, Peter Schaff, is listening because he is a Giants fan, and I hope he realizes his team sucks and needs to get rid of everything. There we go. Uh, next game we got on the slate. Don't be definitely had our listeners. Mitchell. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
we'll see if he makes well, it this next, far in the episode. <laughs> next game we got on the slate definitely had an argument to be a headliner game as well. And that is the San Francisco 49ers who are sitting at six and six at the Cincinnati Bengals who are sitting at seven and five. The spread for this game is San Francisco minus one and a half on the road. Uh, really quickly, Mitchell, what you got on Mr. Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel? Elijah Mitchell last week went out of the game for a brief period of time to go into concussion protocol. He passed, but the next morning he was suffering concussion symptoms. So he's back into the protocol. He has yet to practice this week. He also has a knee injury. I do not see him playing this week, actually, just because the concussion's still so fresh. And Debo Samuel still dealing with that groin issue. This is such an easy injury to re-aggravate and I just don't see them rushing him back in, even though they are strapped at running back. But Jeff Wilson Jr. looking like he should be able to play. So I think that burdens them a little less to try to rush Debo back and potentially make this issue worse. So I could see both of these guys out on Sunday with ease. Well, given that, give me the Bengals. Easy. I was going to take the Bengals anyway. I'm really not a believer in Jimmy G and I am a believer in this underrated Cincinnati Bengals defense. And obviously they've got the offense. So yeah, give me the Bengals and the spread of the money line. Jaden. I don't know why, but I don't trust the Bengals. So give me the 49ers on both. Okay. Mitchell. I'm going to take the Bengals on both because they are in every other week team. They sucked last week. They're going to be great this week. Amen to that. There's been a lot of those teams this year. <laughs> uh, last game we got on the slate is the more, arguably, I mean, the most historic rivalry in football, but definitely sucks. Uh, one guy owns the other team. So in case anybody didn't know, but it is bears who are sitting at four and eight at Packers who are sitting at nine and three on Sunday night football. Uh, the spread is green Bay minus 12 and a half uh, real quick. What you got on David Montgomery, Mitch. Well, I could very easily see him playing this week. He has not practiced thus far this week. I mostly wanted to add this because it's rare to see three injuries show up for one player. He's got a glute issue, a groin issue, and a shoulder issue right now. So he is rolling out of bed. He's pretty much using a walker to come into this game by the sounds of it. But I can't see him not playing in this game just because this is their last hope for the season to try to make the playoff push. And perfect timing because Fields looks like he's going to be back too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unlike last week when I thought he was starting. Um, all right, I'll go ahead <laughs> with my pick first. And um, you know what? Despite Aaron Rodgers, in fact, owning the Chicago Bears, uh, I think that they're going to take some serious personal insult to that statement. Um, I think they'll cover, but uh, Aaron Rodgers does own them. And in, they're going to take some serious, serious personal insult. Serious. And, and we are going to get within 12 and a half. We're going to – good teams, good teams cover, baby. Good teams cover. Uh, not that the Bears are a good team. I was about to say, I, think I the, feel like that yeah, devalues your statement. Yeah. I'm taking them on the spread. Packers on the money line. Jaden, what you got? Sounds like Kane's a Matt Nagy believer. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, give me the Packers on both. We have talked about it a couple times since we've been talking about this Packers-Bears game. The Rodgers. I'm a dumbass. Um, Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. And for that reason, I'm going to take the Packers on both. There you go. Mitchell, what you got? Nice to utter that sentence. 
I know the spread is huge in this, but I'm going to take Packers on both. I I hope this is the nail in the coffin for Matt Nagy being fired finally, because they'll pretty much be entirely out of playoff contention at this point. You just got to hope at this point the Bears can move on and hopefully salvage Justin Fields' career by firing (laughs) his rookie season. (laughs) The Bears have (laughs) never in their 101 year history ever fired a coach midseason. So I can pretty much promise you that they're not going to do it with Matt Nagy. He will be fired, but he will not be fired. And the trend. And the trend. And the trend. (laughs) There you go. I mean, it might be it. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and Matt Nagy is definitely well, if they a lose desperate the, measure. <laughs> if they lose this game, there are no desperate times anymore. It, the season is over. Yeah, so just true. ride it out, keep the streak going. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, that just about does it for the content that we had this past week or for this coming week, I guess you could say. But that does it for the content on today's podcast. I'm very excited, as I did in the intro, to say that we have finally hit 100 followers on Instagram. But we are not done. Tag your friends in our posts. Share them. Put them on your story, especially. That would help a lot. Me and Jaden have been talking about it a little bit uh, in the future when we do our next Jersey giveaway. Um, An entry might be uh, you guys posting us on your Instagram story. And our posts look exactly like ESPNs or Bleacher Reports or any other sports uh, page you're going to see. So why would not put the blitz pod on your story? Nobody's going to notice, bro. Nobody's going to notice. Come on, do it. Do it for the squad. All right. We're not done. We're building up the followers on TikTok, building up the followers on Instagram, and we're moving to Twitch, man. The blitz is on the rise. Pay attention. All right, guys. For the, with that, it is your host, Kane Schwartz, Jaden Kozak, and Mitchell McDonald signing off. We will catch you next week. Good luck, everyone. Peace.